Well, good evening, church. It's my honor to get to be with you tonight and to get to open up God's Word on a, a special Orphan Weekend. If you're not familiar with Orphan Weekend, it's, it's a weekend in the life of New Hope where we give special attention as a church and as individuals of how we are going to care and love for both families and children. We say families in that because if we can help families stay together, we can prevent orphans from forming in our world. But if in the circumstances that we can't prevent that, if possible, when possible, we want to be a part of providing families to those children who are in need of family. So uh, I'm so thankful to get to share this weekend. And last weekend, Pastor Robbie shared how at the end of his message, not everyone might leave happy. You might have a little bit of angst. And tonight, after God speaks to us through his word, I hope that we all leave a little bit uncomfortable. Church, I'm already uncomfortable. There are too many children who are waiting in a system for families to step up and love them. They're waiting for a family to give them a safe, stable, secure environment. Church family, I'm uncomfortable. That there's a Christianity in a world that will vote to protect the unborn life, as we should, but will then turn a blind eye to the already born children in need of adoption or a hurting pregnant mother who needs support so that she doesn't have to make that very difficult decision. I'm uncomfortable that as a pastor, as a Christian, that I can neglect loving people the way that I should when I have a father who loved me so willingly when I didn't deserve it and when he should have never loved me that way, talking about my heavenly father. But church, I'm also hopeful I'm hopeful because God has given us another opportunity tonight to answer that call, to learn, to go, grow, and respond to this great call that he's put on our lives and the lives of all people who would consider themselves Christians. And I'm hopeful because I know the people in this room. I know your willingness to serve. I know your willingness to love others and your willingness to love God. And I'm hopeful because while we may not be able to change everything in our world, as a church, we can change something to have an impact for Jesus Christ. So if you would and you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 tonight. And we're going to be talking about why it is so important for us to be a light in our community, in our world, and especially the, the children and families in need of our love and support. It's important before we get into our text that we look at the context and kind of who Jesus is talking to in our text tonight. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, we see that Jesus is talking and speaking directly to his disciples. These are newly called disciples. If you look back in chapter 4, you'll see that they were very recently called by Jesus Christ. You'll also see that there's a crowd that is present. Jesus had been going around the town and around the, the mountainside doing miracles, loving on people. And so the, the crowd and the disciples were both with Jesus. But as we see there in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5, we see that Jesus drew near to his disciples, opened his mouth, and he taught them. See, this wasn't a message for the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the time, though we often see Christ sparring with them throughout the Gospels. This wasn't just a general call to Israel, to all of the crowd that was there, while some might have heard and observed what Jesus was teaching. No, this was a call to those who considered themselves followers of Jesus. So if you tonight consider yourself a Christian or a follower of Christ, then Jesus has a message for you today. 
And if you are here and you don't consider yourself a Christian, I pray that as the crowd was there observing and listening to Christ's teaching, that you will hear the message of Christ today and see the value, the importance, and the love that is found in following after Jesus and make that decision tonight to start a relationship with Jesus. So let's read verses uh, 14 through 16 of Matthew chapter 5, and then we'll unpack what God's Word has to say to us. It says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who, who is in heaven. We see here Jesus teaching his disciples, these new disciples, about their identity and their calling. He first starts with their identity by calling them the light of the world. Now, I'm sure if these new disciples were like anything like us, as soon as God called them the light of the world, they maybe were taken a little bit aback. We see in chapter 4 that these disciples by name are Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Now, none of these guys come from a prestigious background, if you're familiar with them. They were very ordinary men with very ordinary jobs as fishermen, but they happened to be called by a very unordinary Savior. So when Jesus called them the light of the world, if anything, they were looking over their shoulder and saying, did someone else just show up that they weren't aware of? Are you sure that you're talking about me, Jesus? I'm the light of the world? I kind of felt like this when God called me and Hannah up to New Hope and to New York. I said, God, are you sure that's us? Where do you want us to go? We're in the cornfields of Ohio. You want me to go to where? New York? So often we think about what we have done or where we have come from instead of looking at Jesus and whose we are and where we are going. That's how Jesus looks at us. He looks at whose we are and where we are going. If it was up to the disciples to be the light of the world, they had every reason to feel inadequate. But these disciples had an identity and a direction change as they said yes to following Jesus, as we do when we come to know Jesus as our Savior. We have a direction and an identity change. It is no longer about how inadequate I am or how inadequate you are, but how Christ is completely and totally and more than adequate. When Christ calls us, our identity, direction, and capability to do good no longer rests on our ability, but on his who called us. Hannah and I, Lord willing, in the next couple weeks, we'll be building a garage on our property. It seems like every time I'm up here, I'm talking about something new going on in our house. I guess it's an easy illustration. But not Hannah and I so much will be the ones building our garage, but really Pat Burke and his team. See, if it was up to the me building our garage, it would be, it'd be a mess and it'd be, it would never really get built. See, I have no history of building things. I don't know architecture and I definitely don't have the ability But Pat does, his team does, his people do. And because of who we are working with, I can rest assured that the work is going to get done and that it's going to get done right. When Jesus calls us to follow him and to be the light of the world, he's not calling us because of our abilities. No, he's calling us because he knows that he's the one that we are working with. Jesus is the true light of the world. See, his disciples and anyone who considers themselves a Christian, we are the light of the world because he is the light of the world. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7 says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and from the prisons those who sit in darkness, 
Then this is later fulfilled in the New Testament. If you flip again, just back over to chapter 4 in Matthew, we see in verses 16 and 17 this fulfillment through Christ. It says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned, that light being Jesus Christ. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, here we see Matthew pointing to Christ as the fulfillment of that great light that was to come and to cast out darkness on the land. See, it was never our job to cast out darkness. It was Jesus. But as Jesus works in us and through us, he can use us as his disciples to also cast out some darkness. We join with him in that work as he does that around us. We see this in multiple places throughout Scripture. We see it in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then in Ephesians 5, 8, Paul tells us that, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. As Jesus looked at his disciples, he told them who they were because he knew who he was. As Jesus is the light of the world, his disciples are also meant to be the light of the world. So as we look at being a light, we must first recognize that being a light is imitating Christ as the true light. If you're watching online or you're joining us tonight and you are a Christian, you have to recognize the identity change that Christ has given us. It isn't one that we have earned or one that was produced by us, but it was earned and produced by the one that we're following. Just as the disciples might have got overwhelmed by their new identity, so can we if, our keep, if we keep our focus on us and not on Jesus. As we talk today about caring for families and children in need, you might look at yourself and your family or your history and think, Mm-mm, that's not for me, that's not for my family. That's for that other family that, that's got everything figured out. I've got too much baggage. I've got too much going on. I can barely take care of my own children. How am I supposed to care for other children? As long as we are focused on ourselves, we may feel inadequate. But with the Lord's help, we are more than able. If you feel like God is leading you to jump into foster care, to jump in the process to adopt or to get involved in caring for families or children in our community, keep your eyes on Jesus. As Ephesians 3.20 says, He is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So if you don't think you can do it, He is able to do more than we can ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. You may not change the world, but you could change someone's world. As we imitate Christ as the true light, he will be able to shine through us in ways that we could have never imagined. In ways that we could never imagine. If you don't think that you're the one, you just might be the one if you allow God to work in you. But if you try to work in your own abilities, you may not be the one. That leads us to our second point. Being a light is therefore intentionally living for Christ. Being a light is intentionally living for Christ. Look with me again at verses 14 and 15. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Here we see Jesus giving us two illustrations to prove the point that it is both impossible and illogical to have a life-changing interacting with Jesus 
and not shine as he shines in us. Look at the illustration. We see a verse in, the first one in verse 14. It says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now that seems pretty obvious to, to us in a day and age where we've got billboards, we've got skyscrapers, we've got electricity everywhere. It makes sense that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. But if you think about this in biblical times, it was still true then for that audience. Now, there's definitely a strategic advantage in, in regards to military strength of being on a hill, but the weakness is you are always exposed. You can't hide when you're a city on a hill. During the daytime, they can see you in the sunlight. In the nighttime, if you want to see, you've got to have lamps lit so they can see your town glowing in the dark. What Jesus wants us to see here is like a city on a hill cannot be hidden, we as Christians cannot hide the light that is within us. It is impossible. He is too uncontainable. Then look how the light is not only impossible to hide, but how it is also illogical to try and hide it. Look again at verse 15. There it says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In ancient houses, it would have been a lot like this room. It was one big room. There were no walls. It was just an open room with the four walls. They didn't have all the divided rooms. So when someone needed light, they would light their lamp, and they would have a tall stand, kind of like one of these music stands, and they would set the lamp on the top of the stand so that it will illuminate the whole house. So it could be a blessing and a benefit to everyone within the house. Christ is telling us that it would be illogical to light a lamp and to put a basket over it, right? It makes no sense. Not only would that be illogical to hide it, but it would also be dangerous. You are risking burning up that basket, that house. Here Jesus is trying to make it blatantly illogical and almost humorous to be a light and to try to hide it. The point for us is that he is trying, that he is trying to make is that if we have come to having a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Not only can we not hide our light, but we can't prevent others from seeing it. But we must live in an intentional way so that others have no choice but to see it, but to also benefit from seeing it. See, the lamp wasn't just lit in the house so that that one person could use it. To Christ, it would be just as illogical to consider yourself a follower of Christ and to not have a life that is intentionally shining your light. If we're being honest, it can be challenging to shine our light in our culture nowadays, isn't it? The truths of God's word are rejected by so many, and not only are they rejected, but they're seen as offensive. They're seen as harmful and hurtful to those who think differently. We have a culture where believing differently is not only just disagreeing with them, but really they feel like you're blatantly rejecting them because of your difference. So it can feel safer to to take our light and, and cover it up. It feels safer to, I'm going to keep my beliefs about Jesus to myself. I'm not going to share it with others because I, I don't want to hurt someone. I don't want to reject someone. And of course, that's never our goal. It can be tempting to put the basket over our light instead of putting it on the stand for others to see. But look with me again at verse 16. Verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We often say at New Hope that we want to live in such a way that others want to ask us why we are acting the way that we're acting. Why do you have all these community events? Why do you have a free soccer clinic every year? Why do you go out and share the good news during New Hope Loves the North Country? Why are you doing activities when no one else in the world is doing activities in the midst of a pandemic? 
Well, we find two answers to these questions in verse 16. The first thing we see that, the first reason we see is because they are beneficial to others. Being a light will be beneficial to others. If by our being a light it is only beneficial to us, we may not be shining as much as we think. In verse 15, the lamp, like I said, was set on a stand so that it could give light to the whole house. If our light is only shining for our benefit, we may be more of a flashlight than a lamp. Have you ever tried to fix something in the dark with someone else and only one flashlight? What's the conversation? Hey, shine the light over here for me. Hey, can you, can you shine it right here? You're missing what I need to see. What, what are you shining the light on right now? I need to know. Where is the flashlight? Because I need to fix this thing, and you're looking at who knows what. See, if our light is a flashlight, it's only, coming, it's only going to be beneficial to us. But if our light is a lamp, when the lights are turned on, what happens? We can be a benefit to everyone. Everyone can see. Everyone can get what they need completed. In verse 16, we are called to light up the room. I almost titled this, light it up. You know, I like be the light, but light it up also. I want us to light it up. I don't want us to just be a flashlight. I want us to be a light, a lamp that is illuminating the room, that is illuminating our community. We often talk about New Hope wanting to be a, light in the, a lighthouse in the Northeast, right? We want to shine for our community to see us. If Jesus is the true light that we are following, and his light is a reflection of his work in us, then we should be a light that is shining to the blessing of others around us. Think of the many ways that a light can be used to benefit others. It can give direction. It can reveal and help overcome obstacles. It casts out darkness. It provides warmth and safety. I am so glad that Jesus' work wasn't just beneficial to him, right? On the contrary, Jesus' work on my behalf cost him everything so that it could benefit me completely. He lost his life. I gained a life. He gave his everything so that we could gain everything. He overcame obstacles, cast out darkness, provided direction, and saved us from a a destruction that we were running to because he came to shine as the true light. As God calls us to be a light in our world, and specifically today as we talk about families and children in need, he is calling us to shine in a way that we can be a benefit to others. Loving and serving families and children in need will reveal some dark places. You will go and serve in some places that you could never imagine being. There are some things that children in our country are going through, children in our state, children in our county, that would break your heart to see the conditions they're living in. It would break your heart to see the challenges that they have each and every day. Hannah and I just got a brief look at this when we were going through our adoption process, not with Ren's family, but with another family we were matched with. We got to see just a glimpse of that world, and it has changed our life forever. It breaks our heart seeing children and families living in situations that no one should ever have to live in. Church, serving families and children in need might involve going to some dark places, but it is in those dark places where you will get to shine the brightest for Christ. There are children and families who need direction. There are children and family in need and need help overcoming obstacles. There are children that need warmth, love, care, safety, that the light of Jesus Christ, through you, through me, could provide for them if we were but willing to be used for their good. So we shine brightly for Christ so that it might be for the benefit of others, 
But the second reason that we shine brightly is for Christ, or shine brightly for Christ is so that he might be glorified through us. Being a light is glorifying to God. By doing good works and sharing the good news, people will see the goodness of God, interact with the goodness of God, and glorify the goodness of God because of the good works that he is going to do through us. Being a light will result in people giving glory to God. See the end again of verse 16 with me. So that they may see your good works and give glory to Adam, no, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We want to help families. We want to help children. We want to foster and adopt children. We want to provide families for those who are without family, and we want to be a blessing and a benefit to anyone who will allow us to bless them. Yes, 100 times over, yes. But in doing these things, we can trust that God will begin to do a work in their lives. And if you get involved in this process, you're going to see a mighty way that God's going to do a work in your life. And as a result, they and we will be giving glory to God for the work that he did in and through us. It is, see, it is all about his glory, not ours. You may actually never get any glory. You may never be thanked the way that you think that you should be thanked. You may never see the impact that you had on a family or a child. You can, but you can trust that if you are shining brightly for Christ, that he sees it, that others here will see it, and they will give glory to God for the way that he chose to work in and through you. See, we don't do things, we don't do the things that we're talking about as a way to earn our salvation or to pat ourselves on the back and say, look at us. There's something known as the savior complex in adoption and foster care, that people who get involved, they want to be the savior for children and families in need. See, we don't need to have this type of savior complex but we do need to have a savior complex, a savior complex that, that compels us to respond to the love and the grace of our savior, Jesus Christ, and compels us to love others. We love because our savior loved us and we shine because the true light shined on us. We announced a couple weekends ago that one of our big goals for our church, one of our big, hairy, audacious goals was to have many children fostered and adopted through the families of New Hope. We set this goal because we know that loving and serving children is at the heart of our God. Mark 9, 36 and 37 says, And he took a child, and he put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Children during Jesus' time were seen as insignificant. They didn't have any value they were a burden and not a blessing. They were abandoned to fend for themselves. And Jesus is calling his disciples here in this text to care for those in a culture who most would see as insignificant. Yes, that includes children, and that also extends to others. But we can't miss the fact that Jesus brought a, children, a child to himself and said, whoever receives this one child in my name receives me and the one who sent me. Like I said, there are many in our culture who are undervalued, abandoned, seen as a burden, but we can't miss the families and children in need around us. I can't personally think of a group that is more abandoned or undervalued than those within our foster system. Abandoned orphanages around the world, potentially, those children, and then those other children who are abandoned to figure it out on their own once they age out of the system. Church family, God adopted us into his family so that we could provide family to children in need as God provided a family to us 
when we were in the greatest need. That could be providing family to that child for a day. It could be a week. It could be a month. It could even be permanently through adoption. But we want to be the leaders in our community in fostering adoption because that's, that's what God has called us to do. And honestly, who better than us? Now, I don't want to say, I don't say that arrogantly by any means. I actually want to say that in great humbleness. Because if you are a child of God, you have been adopted. You have been brought into the family of God through the adoption bought by Jesus Christ. You have been loved when you felt unlovable. You have been sought out when you were lost. And you were given great value when you had very little value. So who better than a church full of adopted children of God to provide a loving family to family and children in need? And I believe that as I uh, believe that through our loving of families and children, God is going to be glorified in ways that we can never imagine. People are going to come to know Christ because we chose to love them or their family. Children are going to, our children are going to grow up to have an understanding of family that they would have never imagined until we got involved with fostering our adoption. And our God is going to be glorified through our lives and the lives of those we touch because somebody today, hopefully many today, chose to shine brightly in our world by caring for families and children in need. Church, we are still in the aftermath of what many have called one of the biggest elections of our lifetime. Many of you wrestled last weekend with Pastor Robbie's message as he was sharing, and one of the things that he shared that we needed to consider in voting was in favor of life, specifically on the abortion issue. Now the world has observed how many in the church have cast their vote in favor of the pro-life movement. But church, if we... But if the extent of our pro-life agenda ends in the ballots, then we have much work to do. Don't hear me wrong. We should, we should want to see abortion end, and we should fight for every life that is, that is vulnerable. But if we want, to be pro, we want to be pro-life, not just anti-abortion. What if the pro-life, pro-choice conversation wasn't even a thing anymore because the church decided to take a stand for families and children in need? What if the government didn't have to take a stand for life because the church had already done it, not just in words or in votes, but in action? What if the church started loving, struggling, and hurting moms that felt the only decision that they could have was an abortion because they didn't have the support they needed? What if we provided the support for them? What if the church was ready and willing to adopt those children who were about to be aborted? You're about to see a map on the screen behind me. Now, we've seen a lot of maps this week, right? We've been staring at them for about five days, and nothing has changed. But in this map, if I'm being honest, I've looked at it many times, and unfortunately, not a lot has changed. But I believe that this might be just the most important map you see all week. This map represents the amount of children in foster care that are waiting to be adopted in each state. And if you look at the state of New York... We are one of, if not the highest. We're, we're one of the top three. I think you've got Texas and California there. So church, there are thousands of children in our state. I don't even want to talk about other states. In our state that are waiting for someone to love them, to care for them, and to be a light in their life. Here's a thought for us. What if God was waiting for the church to be obedient and providing families to children ending now that once we moved in obedience, he stopped abortion. We need to recognize that whenever God stops abortion, that number's not going to go down. There are going to be many more children in need of adoption, many more moms and families in need of love, care, and support. And maybe God hasn't ended abortion in America yet because the church in America isn't ready for abortion to be ended. So church, it is time for us to move. 
It's time for us to move from being just anti-abortion to truly pro-life. In the womb, out of the womb, families in need, children in need, hurting mothers, struggling to make that loving choice. And God wants us to shine a light so that others may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. In the lobby after the service, you're going to meet multiple people. You met a couple of them already. After the service, God may be calling you to go to one of those tables to interact with them and to get some more information about how to serve families and children in our community through foster care and family services. Maybe God tonight is calling you to take that step of faith and become a foster parent. What if through the ministry of New Hope, foster care was eradicated and worn in Washington County? It's happened in other counties before. In Texas, a church, I believe smaller than us, a pastor preaching on foster care challenged his people, and they eradicated foster care in their community. Why not us? Why not us through New Hope? You also find tables in the lobby with some empty bins on them. Maybe you're not, you're not able to foster or adopt, but you can help in providing food to help prevent orphans from potentially happening in our community. Last year, we, we provided fa- food for 40 families in our community, and we're hoping to do that again this year. So maybe you need to go by that table and grab a list of food. You can also go to the hub, and you can see the list there, and you can buy uh, straight through that link also. You also find in the lobby Operation Christmas Child. We want to love kids in our community, in our neighborhood, but also around the world. Maybe God's calling you to, to grab a couple more boxes and to love on children around the world who need to be cared for. Last fall, we had an awesome ministry with us called His Little Fee, right? They were awesome. An international orphan care and adoption ministry. And we hope to have them hopefully here in the future. Right, Pastor Robbie? Amen? Hopefully we're going to have them again in the future. And when we have that group come, we need families to volunteer to host those children. And wouldn't you know that through one of those families hosting it this last time, one of those families is now in the process of becoming a foster family. And maybe God might use that in your life to take that next step. Maybe you're a college student, a young adult, and you've got, a, you've got time on your hands. You're saying, I don't know maybe what God's got for me, or I'm, I'm really being called to care for orphans internationally. Maybe you want to commit a year of your life, like one of our own, Lindsay Langford, who is giving up a year of her time volunteering to love for those children and to travel with them and to serve them and to teach them. Maybe that's how God's calling one of you to do that. Or maybe God's calling some of you to get involved in adoption. Through, maybe that's domestically, maybe that's internationally, maybe that's through foster care, and you don't really know what that means. What's the next step for our family? Like Pastor Jeff said, Hannah and I, my wife, we're going to be starting a growth group in January on a book called Adopted for Life. It's one of our favorite books outside of this book right here. If you ask my wife, she may not have a favorite outside of this one. That is a book that we love because it talks about God's heart for adoption, God's heart for us. And so if you're wanting to explore more about what that means for your life, what that could mean for your family, I would encourage you. It's just an interest form. You're not signing up today for it. But if you're interested in that, you can find my wife in the lobby and you can sign up to get more information about that. And we would love to be a part of you exploring that next stage for your family. Church, we have a role to play and a light to shine as we care for families and children around us. We may not all shine in the same ways, but there is no doubt that God is calling us all to shine in some way. But maybe you're here tonight and you're wondering what this means for you because you've never, you're not one of those disciples. You've never given your life to Christ. You're not a Christian. But after hearing the message tonight, you're understanding that, man, I want to be a part of God's family. 
Maybe you feel like a spiritual orphan. You felt lost your whole life spiritually, wondering what's true, what's the right answer. And tonight, God is calling you to be a part of his family. We spoke earlier about doing good works so that it would bring glory to our Father. We can never earn our salvation. We can never do anything in our own power to earn entrance into God's family because God has already done that for you. Jesus came from heaven as the light of the world to live a perfect life, to die a death that he didn't deserve to die so that you could be forgiven and brought into the family of God. Maybe today God isn't calling you to help a family or to adopt a child, but to join his family and become a child of God. Let's pray. I want to give us all a moment to respond. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for making a way so that we can become your children. And Lord, I pray for that person tonight who may not have a relationship with you. Lord, maybe they have, they have felt lost their whole life, and tonight they hear you calling their name. Lord, they feel you drawing them to give their life to you. And Lord, I want to give them an opportunity to do that now. If you're feeling that way and you want to be a part of God's family and give your life to him, you can say a simple prayer similar to this. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for sending your son Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for taking my sin on your shoulders on the cross and dying for them, Lord, so that you could forgive me. And Lord, tonight I confess that I am a sinner and that I need to be forgiven of my sins. And Lord, I accept that gift of salvation through your son Jesus and commit to follow him from here on out. Father, thank you for adopting me into your family. Now, you may also be one of those other families tonight that God has grabbed hold of your heart. And church, I pray that he never lets go of it until you act. And maybe tonight God is calling you to act. That could be taking one of those next steps. It could be going to one of these tables and getting more information on foster care. It could be signing up for that group about considering adoption. It could be giving an extra Operation Christmas Child box or, or really praying, Lord, what do you have for me and my family? I pray that now that you would pray and give that to the Lord. I pray that you would ask him to make it as clear as day what steps he has for your family. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your work in our lives. And Lord, that you have called us, your church, to shine a light in our community and in our world for your good and for your glory. Lord, I pray that New Hope will be a different place because you have chosen to work through your people. Lord, I pray that Queensbury and Glens Falls and the surrounding towns are different because your people chose to step up and shine brightly for you. Lord, even tonight. So Lord, help us to be faithful and obedient to what you're calling us to do in our lives. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.